Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. How does blood cleanse? Doesn't seem to make sense, does it? The writer of Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, sin doesn't go away. And so from the start of the scripture to the end, we see people being covered by blood, trying to achieve forgiveness, right? Adam and Eve in the garden. The first failure, the first sin against humanity, God sacrifices animals and clothes them with skin, blood covered. You get into the Old Testament and the sacrificial system is set up, a pure and spotless lamb, like Daniel was talking about, offered to bring covering. If you read in in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, all these books in the wilderness, Everything that God revealed about himself, he would anoint and set apart with the blood of a sacrifice and with the oil. And he would cover it. And it would wash and purify and set apart. Now, to our Western minds, that doesn't make a lot of sense. How does blood purify? But he said the thing that was broken had to be atoned for, and it was atoned for by a pure and spotless lamb. And that's why when John sees him, Jesus, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The blood shed before the foundations of the earth. Hebrews tells us that Jesus didn't go and just pour out his blood into a physical man-made temple on the earth, but he entered into the greater tabernacle, the heavenly one, not built by human hands so that he could wash and cleanse even the supernatural realm so that our material realm could also understand, perceive, receive what it is that God's done. There is something holy about the blood of Jesus. Hebrews says that it carries a better word than the blood of Abel that was poured out. That it perfects us, it washes us, it cleanses us. And this is a sacrifice that Jesus doesn't have to die over and over and over. He died once and for all so that your sins could be done away with. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean? How do I take this reality of 2,000 years ago, ancient Eastern tradition, and put it into our Western language? is that God has purchased you in your life with his blood. He's purchased you and he's cleansed you. This is what we're gonna do. I realize we've got like a schedule and a thing. We're gonna talk about this for a couple minutes and then we're gonna celebrate members at the end, okay? So for those of you who are wondering what's happening, In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, 
You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the special possession of God that you may declare, there you go, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter's talking to a group of people who have no background in priest, in priesting. <laughs> He's talking to you and me. People who have been far away from God. People who weren't listed in God's um, Israeli family, the, the chosen people. But suddenly through the blood of Jesus, He's not just cleansing people who um, are like professional Christians. He actually comes to us. And He washes us. And he teaches us. And he's looking at common people who live common lives. And he says, now, because of the blood of Jesus, you're chosen. You think it was about that group of people over there. No longer. But the thing that makes you chosen is this blood of Jesus shed for us. You have been selected. Trish, you were selected by God's hand. You're a royal priesthood. A kingly nation of priests. In the Old Testament, when God would select a priest, when he selected Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and, um, and Eleazar and Ithamar, all of the sons of Aaron, and he began to set them apart, he had them clothed in a way that would symbolize that they were representatives of heaven on the earth. And he would set them apart. He would anoint them with oil and with the blood of the sacrifice as if to say, you are cleansed and empowered by me as my representative. And then he would set them to work in the ministry of the tabernacle. And there's this really weird tradition that they would have. They would take the blood of the sacrifice and they would put it on the right earlobe, on the right thumb, and on the right toe of every priest. It was God's way of saying, in your hearing, in your doing, and in your going, you represent me. You carry my capacity by my spirit to hear my voice. John chapter 10 says, my sheep know my voice. They won't respond to the voice of a stranger. Right? In all my doing. Everything that my hand is laid to, he says that he has anointed it to be a representative of God. Casey, in the way that you do business, you represent the Lord. Kendall, in the way that you teach and love your coworkers, you represent the Lord. And in all your going, all your going, all your plans, Catherine, in all your plans, that the Holy Spirit would anoint you and go before you, that he would make a way. That the God who sees you and knows you and calls you by name has set you apart to hear him and to work with him and to go with him. And that in all those things that God would show just how good he is to people around us. You're a royal priesthood. You know, it's an interesting thing to know that you are no longer common. The thing about a priest was they couldn't live how they wanted anymore. <laughs> There's this weird story. I say weird. It's great. There's this really crazy story in Leviticus chapter 10. 9 and 10, where the priests are anointed, they do everything that God has set apart for them to do, and then the fire of the Lord comes out from the sky and consumes the sacrifice on the altar. 
It's the moment when the nation of Israel knows this wasn't a fire that was lit by somebody else's hand. This is a fire that comes from God. And in the next moment, um, Nadab and Abihu decide that God has given them this privilege and they want more. And they become too familiar. And the scripture tells us that they go in and they light unauthorized fire. They go before the Lord drunk in the tabernacle, lighting fire. And the same fire that consumed the sacrifice on the altar eight minutes before comes out of the Lord and consumes them. What do we do with that? God's saying the people that I choose and select for myself can't just live how they want. It may be the blood of Jesus that gives us this entrance into the kingdom. But we have to walk with humble hearts and in holiness because God has chosen us. Are you with me? The holiness. You're like, Grant, that's Old Testament. Why are you freaking us out? In Acts chapter 5, after Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, the early church is meeting And a man named Ananias and Sapphira sell a piece of land and they bring the money to the disciples and they say, here is all the money we got from this land. Now, here's the inside track. They actually had kept money back. They lied to the apostles and to the Holy Spirit. And Peter looks at them with conviction and says, what would cause you to think that you could just belong to God but continue to deceive the Lord? New Testament. And it says that God strikes both he and his wife dead that day. The end of that passage says, and fear seized the church, and they were amazed at all God did. What's the point? It's Nadab and Abihu all over again. There's something tragic that happens when we feel like we can be a people of his presence without allowing holiness to intervene and to get into my pores. That I can exist in those spaces, but do it in my own terms and in my own way. Friends, God wants everything. He requires holiness of His people because He is holy. The Scriptures envision Him as a consuming fire, that He is so holy that to come near him, I don't know if you've gotten near a bonfire lately. There's always that one kid who's like, I'm going to see how close I can get, you know. Put my hand in the fire. There's something cleansing and purifying about fire. But if we don't understand its nature, it can also destroy. In the same way, friends, God is drawing you For many of you this morning, you feel the drawing of the Spirit who's calling you to come closer. And as David shared, wherever David is, like nine months ago, as we draw closer to the Lord, it's like that cauldron, that fire pot that melts away the impurities and God begins to remove them. But friends, can I just caution us that this is a really beautiful thing. It's holy to wait on the Lord, to recognize that we're not into just check boxes on an agenda. We really do believe that He's among us, that He dwells among us. And so the way that we respond to His presence is the most important thing. 
Nadab and Abihu were struck dead because they didn't treat God as holy. It's interesting that God receives this treatment of holiness by the way that I live my life. Have you thought about that? It's not me just recognizing that the fire is over there. It's recognizing that the fire is here. How, how do I live in such a way that I'm declaring his holiness every single day? In the words that I speak, the thoughts that I allow to just sit in my mind, the decisions I make, God requires holiness. I think it's one of the reasons that the Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. That the only way you and I walk in holiness is to allow the Spirit of God who makes us holy to take up residence and then we yield to Him. Is everybody okay? All right. Holiness. Without holiness, we will not see the Lord. I had this, um, this image just as a young kid that has helped me. It was that everywhere I go that God is actually with me. I think we say that sometimes, but we can forget it. And there's all these moments in the scriptures where the Apostle Paul is warning people on how to live, and he just simply says, the Lord is near. Hey, do these things. Why? The Lord is near. It's living with an utter awareness of God's presence in your life so that you won't step out and do just what you want or live wild. Like you, you live constrained by the God who is with me. Can I just tell you this morning that the Lord is near? He's near. And he's inviting us to walk with him. You know, one of the things that... Um, it strikes me about these seasons of revival, these seasons when the Lord is speaking in special ways, um, is that there is such a reverence for His presence. And with those movements of revival often come seasons of repentance and confession and holiness. Like the fruit of revival is holiness. It's people who understand who they are in Him. Your royal priest. Like, no, Grant, I'm a teacher. Hmm. But you're a royal priest. What's the role of a priest? For some of you, this doesn't click at all. Listen, New Testament priesthood is different than every other priesthood. This is not about you becoming a professional Christian or holding a microphone on a Sunday morning. This is about you being an anointed representative of God at work and at home, in your neighborhood, and everywhere you go. That God has actually anointed you and set you apart to be his representative. Priests are intercessors. They stand in the balance between heaven and earth. They represent God to people around them. They represent people before God. What does it mean that everywhere you go, that God actually sees you as an intercessor to bring 
his kingdom reality into the earth. That's why he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're an intercessor. You walk into the devastation of the community around you and you're not thrown off. You actually lean in and say, God, what are you saying? What is it that you're saying over East Highland? We've had shootings all in Lake Bottom lately. I don't know if you guys have been watching the news. What, what is your kingdom reality that you want to bring into the here and now? And how do I take part in that? You're an intercessor. A priest is an intercessor. A priest is a prophetic symbol. That people would look on your life and recognize the touch and the anointing of God. That they would see you as that living embodiment of Jesus. Here and now. That you lead a sacrificial life. That you continue to lay yourself down for others. A priest is a prophetic symbol. And thirdly, a priest offers sacrifices. In Romans chapter 12 verse 1 it says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. In the Old Testament, they would take these sacrifices and it was their means to connecting with the Lord. In the New Testament, because we have this one sacrifice that satisfies the penalty of death once and for all, he says, you don't have to offer that sacrifice the same old way. But now, by the blood of Jesus, you can offer your body as a living sacrifice. How many of you are glad that you're a living sacrifice? <laughs> He says, offer it holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You're a living sacrifice. Grant, what does that mean? Well, Jesus says it like this. If you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow. It's one thing to come near to the presence of the Lord on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night in prayer. It's quite another to be obedient to Him and so honor Him. I heard this message from Pastor Vlad uh, Savchuk. He was, he was talking about how we believe that fellowship with the Spirit is what um, grows us in spirit. It's not. He said it's not. Actually, times at the altar where we're in the presence of God, if it doesn't equate to us saying yes to Jesus and obeying Him, we're actually like bringing judgment on ourselves. Are you, are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? If we come near to God, but we don't change anything, it breeds judgment. But when I come near to Him, when I live to obey Him, it changes everything for us. That's why he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Take up your cross daily and follow. He requires holiness. Friend, you are a royal priest. If you are in Christ, you're a royal priest. And you have a responsibility to the Lord to represent him well. Yeah? You know, one of the things that... Um, that is interesting about being in Christian community is our levels of comfort with things in the world. You guys ever felt this? Like you're hanging out with somebody and you feel like maybe you're on the same page when it comes to like how to approach Jesus and what's going on and then suddenly you start talking about like the movies they watch and you're like, huh, mm, 
Interesting. Okay. Pretty sure that movie's got like some pornographic scenes in it. Uh, and you start kind of rolling this around. Or just in passing, we kind of talk loosely about the TV shows we watch. And you realize the different approaches, the different places we come to things at. And one of the things that is really, really like confrontational in community is that our desperation for the Lord and our comfort with the things of the world will clash. And I want to encourage you, if you're a royal priest, which you are, and if you are set apart to represent God in the earth, which you are, then you can't make decisions the same way that you used to. I think it says about Nadab and Abihu that they couldn't distinguish between what was holy and what was common. Friends, you are no longer common. You are not common. So what you do and the decisions you make cannot be common either. Can I encourage you just to stop for just a moment um, and then I'm going to be quiet. Close your eyes and just invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Holy Spirit, we confess this morning, Lord, that all too often we make decisions as though we are the boss. We're in control. But God, you have brought us near to yourself. You've brought us near to the consuming fire. You have cleansed us and washed us. And Father, you're calling us to be a new creation, a royal priesthood. Holy Spirit, we invite you even now, would you come and assess our hearts? Is there any place, Lord, where we are not walking in obedience to your commands? where we are taking lightly what it means to be your royal priests. Father, in what we hear, in what we do, and in where we go, is there a place where we're not walking in holiness, but we're walking as common people? Lord, show us. Show us. Just listen for his voice. You may notice if you don't tend to hear him, maybe he just gives an image in your mind of a place where maybe you're partnering with something that's just, it's not, I can't stay, you know. Mm. Holy Spirit. Thank you.
as the Lord brings those things to your heart and your mind, just hold them in your hands before him and let him take them. The conviction of the Lord is for healing. It's not shaming. He doesn't put us on blast in front of other people unless we continue to resist and pretend that those things aren't there. Scriptures say, judge yourself unless you're judged. If, you're, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Father, we thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I ask you, in the same way that we have held out our hands, opened our hearts to things that don't belong. Lord, I thank you that you have cleansed us once and for all by the blood of Jesus. And that you are choosing for yourself from this tribe, from other people in our city, Lord. You're choosing for yourself from people all over the earth. A new creation. A royal priesthood. A chosen people. And you're putting your presence on them and your spirit in them, Father. And I just ask you right now, Lord, for those who feel like, man, I, I am common, that you would just remind them that you are the God who calls them holy, set apart, anointed for the purposes of God. In your teaching, in your podcasting, in your doctoring, in your nursing, financial dealings, in your stay-at-home momming, in all the things you do, the Lord says, be holy because I'm holy. Honor me. Treat me as holy in the way that you live. So, Father, we just confess that we're so quick to close our eyes and to walk blindly, Father. But, Lord, would you teach us Instruct us in your word. Instruct us in your ways. Instruct us in the fear of the Lord so that we can honor you, Lord. We can honor your name. We can honor your words and your presence, Lord. And that we can walk according to your ways.